yeah, welcome to the Soapbox. Uh, this is Reverend Jangle Bones, and here with Kurt Huggins, uh, talking about uh, 1971's The Devils uh, by uh, Ken Russell, starring uh, Oliver Reed and Vanessa Redgrave. I just like repeated it over and over again for the last two hours. So. Oh really? Wow. <laughs> Um, I have repeated nothing. I am talking, talking off the top of my dome. So, uh, I didn't even make notes. I don't know if you made notes. Did you make notes at all? No, I, I really meant to. Yeah, I was, I was, I was thinking if that because there was there was some of these like review podcasts that I've listened to before where you can tell that the people really, you know, they write it out. And but I, that's usually not my style anyway. And if I made notes, I wouldn't look at them. They would just be there as a convenient, like, I'll jump in on this. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, this is a... Uh, I forget how I originally found out about this movie. And, and for some reason, it's stuck. Like when it was discovered, it, it stuck in my head, and I really wanted to watch it for a long time. Uh, and it was only um, actually on the second viewing that I realized that I had actually um, there was a small bit of this movie that is stuck into my head that I saw as a child, and that that's the that's the whole scene where they're like the two medical doctors are like putting the hornet in the jar and trying to cure the woman. Oh, uh, I must have seen that. Uh, really young, like five or six. Shit. And uh, it is funny because I don't remember anything else about having seen this movie, but that for sure is stuck in my head. Um, um, so I recommended this film. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, what, what was your reaction to it? Uh, <clears throat> I had a really good time being afraid of what I might see uh during the first watch through mm. and i really enjoy that feeling that uncertainty because uh i mean you 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 go to most r-rated movies or whatever and and you know you're safe you know you're like really not gonna see that much that's actually that disturbing most most of the time anyway but like i just felt like i had no idea what was going to be presented to me because it was billed as a horror film, yeah. uh, but then the the literally the very first thing they 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 show you is a screen that says this is based on real people and it's historically accurate. Yeah. So they're immediately like, actually, it's just a historical drama, like, <laughs> but a very intense historical drama. Right, and I think that. That's what stuck with me the most is the the way that the the stylistically it feels like it, it keeps it keeps me feeling like it's going to turn into a B movie at any second. Mm-hmm. Like there's this over dramatization going on, but it's it's a stylistic choice. It's not bad acting, right? Yeah. It's, um, and it creates this really weird tension, and then there's all these scenes with just chaos like 
like several different extreme emotions being expressed at the same time from different you know angles or groups of people loudly and um yeah like the 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 very first exorcism you have all the the crowd watching behind the gate and um laughing and screaming and then like the one the only people that speak out that say it's bad are like i think they're other priests a couple other priests and then the the two that are performing the air that are kind of in charge of this exorcism which is actually a political maneuver really um is uh if they whisper that they're going to basically ruin those other two guys that like not cheering along like fuck it's 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 really dark but it's really dark in very human ways and it's not not really anything about it was supernatural except maybe the love <laughs> yeah i would i would say that uh actually i come to think of it we should probably briefly describe what what this movie is about probably be a good idea but i don't want to do it you don't want to do it <laughs> I, I sat there watching it the second time earlier today and i started jotting down like plot points because i'm like you know i want to run through the plot real quick just so it's it's out there so we can kind of jump from place to place but people have a general idea what it's about and we got like third of the way through and i'm like a oh, kind of a lot happens like a shit ton does happen um i will i will just say this it, it centers around this uh this group of nuns that are supposedly have been possessed by the devil and they accuse this priest of having sent uh the devil against them and that that's like an i believe like an actual historical thing that happened in the city of Loudon, france so that's the core of it uh but but that's just sort of this the spoke on the wheel of this much much larger uh machinations that are happening uh and yeah it's it's actually interesting that you say like the the supernatural part is the love uh because god there's so much i think by the end of the movie so the the priest the main character who oliver reed plays uh how how do you say his name not uh, oh Grandier, Grandier. Um, he's kind of a. He's this very like Lothario, like womanizing kind of shit. Who's like, kind like using his spirituality to justify him kind of being a a scuzzball a little bit. He's a ladies' man of the cloth. Yes. Um, and it, it's actually interesting because I th- this this conversation didn't stick out to me till the second time I watched it, where he he's talking to that other priest uh, that's there with him, the the lesser one that no one seems to like. Uh, that uh, and he basically they're kind of arguing about this, and the other priest has heard about his like infidelities, like his his not his infidelities but his indecencies, and is and is like why are why do you do this? Uh, and he basically says, like, I do this to drive God to punish me, to bring me to him. It's something to that effect. 
And yeah. Something also, I, I got the impression there was some kind of self-righteous bullshit in there about like, like, well, you know, I mean, okay, there's a lot to think about here, right? Because yeah. he's also going with just the first little bit of the film, like, you have, he's basically a, a fucking celebrity. Yeah, he's a total, like, firebrand rock star guy. Yeah, and, and all these nuns are like, pissing themselves when he walks through the streets like he's you know Ringo's star <laughs> yeah and he's and he's got this like there's this um he he like uh he just has this raw sexuality that that these women are responding to and, and like when you're when you're locked in a place where there's just all these sexually repressed women like hurling themselves at you and like you're actually just this really existential guy that like it in his mind i think he he had this like he's exploring what it is to be uh not like a man and he's he's trying to and he has just no idea the wake of destruction that he's leaving (laughs) but there's there's also the way like what you were just saying sorry roundabout way to get there but i think i think he also had this sort of self-righteousness and that he's he's trying to like show them that he's not the answer by like allowing them to see through their desires and it's like it's not okay but it's like it's very it's almost very like do as thou wiltish yeah uh, like yeah. i could see I could see a Thelonite watching that movie and just being like, yeah, what's the problem? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, well, it's also, it's also interesting because he's like, he's in direct opposition to, so he's a, he's a Protestant priest. Mm. And, he's uh, Catholic. Oh, is he Catholic? Yeah, yeah. He's taking mercy on the Protestants. Okay. Um, oh, that's that detail I didn't realize. All right. Like not persecuting them as much inside the the city walls, and he kind of doesn't really get down with that stuff. So he, yeah, I think yeah, that so was. He, yeah. So he. So he's like he's tolerant of these, like, and he's basically directly in opposition to what the whole rest of the Catholic Church is, um, and and that's represented by this Cardinal Riclu. I believe his name is, or that's not how you say his name. I'm, I'm, I will, I will forever mangle French names, because uh, I'm awful at it. Uh, or uh, Rich, Richelieu, Richelieu, Cardinal Richelieu, uh, who's basically thinks that this this kind of bastion of tolerance is keeping the Catholic Church from fully you know, fully enveloping France. And uh, there's this whole thing where, like, they they want... So so Oliver Reed's character is, like, uh, their governor dies, and since he's this rock star priest of the town, he basically becomes a de facto leader. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they want... this This town is, like, 
it's sort of it's sort of safe from the machinations of the greater like the larger politics of France because it has these wall it has walls it's a walled city so it can defend itself and um, meanwhile the, the Cardinal Ricklew wants to Richelieu I'm, I'm just gonna mangle it Rich I'm gonna call him Cardinal Rich Cardinal Rich wants to just destroy them take like take the walls down and uh, they he sends a guy to do it. And basically, uh, basically, all of Reed's character is like, "No, do not. You cannot do this. I will not let you do this. Uh, you, you're going to render us powerless." And basically, once those walls come down, we're going to be subsumed by not just the Catholic Church, but well, the larger politics of France and the Catholic Church, which the Catholic Church is using France to help it. Um, uh, so it's very interesting once it gets to the end of the film. We're going to jump all over now. I hope that's cool. Uh, there's if it, well, I don't know. Maybe we should cover some other stuff before jumping to the end. <laughs> whatever <laughs> um, I think it was really cool how the whole city looked like a really fancy bathroom yes yes uh, it really did it was like all it's all white and tile but it's like it doesn't even look like fancy tile like it looks like they built this giant city just because they needed a city quick or something like I don't know. And and I mean that might just be the set design or maybe that's historically accurate, but I don't I don't think no. I think it's total stylization. I have no idea and I don't care. Like it was Yeah. <laughs> but the the fact that it's all white it, it it's like the whole time I keep expecting like bad things to happen. Anytime there's like all white pure stuff and this tension in the air, it's just like uh it it adds something to the the, the danger. Yeah. To the whole effect and it's it's also actually i just realized you know the only really black spot is the interior of the church itself um, um yeah and then like uh there's also a quality of the design that it feels like it's it's like like a power station or something like it feels like it's some like the whole thing is like a, a government bureaucratic bureaucratically built thing. Yeah, it, it reminded me. Um, uh, I think it's Battery C Station. It's that famous power station that's on the Pink Floyd album covers. <laughs> like it's it's just this like giant, like really bare, kind of severe facade the whole thing with these like little like really flourish like little flourishes and it's amazing like the whole town itself is amazing and it becomes this like because it's it's so white and reserved like the people really stand out against it yeah yeah i i think that that was one of the my favorite things was like the usage of place as character in this yeah <laughs> because it was almost like uh like the most important character to the main character was the city. Yeah. Um, he, he really cared about like, we didn't even get to the, so, so 
<clears throat> so yeah, so he um <clears throat> he gets this girl pregnant and then basically just kind of like goes on an existential tangent and is like, Yeah, peace. Uh, you know, I'm a, I can't be with you. So like talk to your papa and get him to find you uh like a suitable husband or whatever. And he he encourages her to run, tell him before he has that conversation with the other guy, and he's like you know, I'm kind of basically wishing for death because I want to be united with God. And he's like, I'm already a sinner, so, like, I gotta follow... If I follow this shit through, then I get to get where I'm going sooner, basically. Yeah. And hopefully in the process, I show others that there's only misery and sin. Like, I think it was, like, this, like, uh, salvage effort with his own miserable life, in a way. Um, And I think he only comes across as, like, looking like he thinks he's noble because he doesn't um he doesn't apologize to any humans for his sins yeah um but he's he clearly is actually repentant in his own weird way um and then but then he actually does fall for somebody um he falls for this this new nun that comes in and she actually comes in out of a devout faith whereas as the hunchback explains, the um, Vanessa Redgrave, who's just absolutely amazing in this. Um, oh yeah, she's she's it's insane. Like her performance is ama- is incredible. Yeah, I I can't. I just the whole time I kept expecting it to go a little too much or something, and she just held it together and pushed the line of too much and like right there, um, and just it was it was great, but like. She has that fantasy about uh, Grandier where, you know, she's she's looking at the cross and, and suddenly it's like she's having a vision of, of the actual scene of Jesus being and it becomes being nailed to the cross in real time. Um, and then she can't help, like, the, re- the repression seeps in and she can't help it, like, it turns into Grandier. <laughs> and then it turns all twisted and everyone's laughing at her and she's doing cartwheels on the floor. <laughs> break dancing you know hunchback exposed and it's just like like it's amazing because i flash back to the, to the trailer and i'm like i see why you could like watch the trailer and just be like, obviously that's a horror film yeah it's, it's like no that's that's sexual repression and that's a real deformity and like <laughs> actually makes sense but you don't expect it to kind of going into it but so then he, he they have like a, a little midnight uh, marriage ceremony. Him and the new nun that that he actually. What, I I will say she doesn't actually become a nun. So, um, oh. right. So so she. Um, there's this weird scene at the at the very beginning where there's like a plague ravaging through the town. And he goes. Uh, he's called in. Uh, to this room where these two like medieval doctors are are just doing weird shit to this to this woman who's like covered in boils and that's that's where the scene with the hornet is and there they have like there's like a crocodile like a stuffed crocodile and that's part of the part of the remedy i i don't understand that but it's but it's amazing because he's like he grabs it and throws it out the window <laughs> and that's yeah, that's beautiful too because that comes up. He actually defends himself from a sword attack later with that very with that crocodile. I know it's amazing. Did he know he was going to get attacked on the street later? Like, how did he know? 
<laughs> what? Well, so so the woman who so he 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 basically gets rid of these plague doctor guys because basically all they were, they weren't actually killing the woman they were just torturing her as she was dying basically is what was happening and so then he gives her her last rites. The church is just state sanctioned torture in like yeah. Every- basically, the whole movie is about like the, yeah, and uh, and uh, the that woman's daughter is who ends up he ends up marrying. Did you not okay. realize that? No. Yeah, it's the same. It's so so her mother dies. He like. Grandier does last rites for her. She then, like, she then is like, well, both my parents are now dead, so I, I'm going to devote myself to God. And she goes and is basically talks to Vanessa Redgrave and is and is rejected. Right. And then I think at that point she goes to, to confess to Grandier. And during the confession, she just blurts out that she loves him. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, see, I thought they'd time skipped and I thought like she had been there for a while. Like, I don't know. I don't think so. Spent time around him and yeah, I thought that like that had developed and we just didn't see it. Maybe it did. Uh, but that wasn't my read. My read was that, that she tried to get, she tried to be, she tried to become a nun and then they rejected her. I, I love that we actually have two totally different takes. <laughs> And they both work. Like, <laughs> but yeah, so she confesses love, and it's it's. This, I think because she she comes at him, Grandier, with leading with love before lust, and I think that's what changes him. Um, but it it. He, you think maybe he's just going to take advantage of this woman again, but but no, he he literally like he marries her and then is literally in love with her, and it's 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 he completely at that point I think he he alters and he actually becomes the spiritual man that he was pretending he was before or trying to be before. Mm. I think that I think him. Uh, actually, committing to this woman does that. It changes something in him. Well, I, I don't even think it's the act of committal necessary, the commitment necessarily itself, but the, like you said the first time that she, she approaches him with like love in her heart and then shame and guilt around that. Yeah, that um, mirrors what he kind of has for God. Mm. <laughs> so then he's like, "Oh, I, I kind of can understand this, the shape of this," and I think there's that sort of. Um, plus, what that the thing that um, Vanessa Redgrave's character, uh, Hunchback Nun, says to uh, what's her face, the the wife, like when she comes in, when she first comes in and applies for nunship for the uh, CEO of Nundum. <laughs> <clears throat> she like she tells her straight up this place is not spiritual. Like these people are not into this. 
there. Yeah, that's right. They're here because they didn't have anywhere to eat. They, they're here because they're not hot enough for a husband. Like there's there's all these reasons, and and it's all convenience, and none of it's none of it's really got the heart. And I don't think you're right for it because of that. Like, so <clears throat> I think that also um, she actually had faith that she was struggling with and working towards, and he did too. Yeah, so there's there's a couple things there where they were they were actually kindred. Um, but yeah, he it definitely did. I was really surprised that that happened because I definitely did fall for that and expect him to just kind of do something else shitty. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think there's a conversation. I don't. I think it, I'm trying to remember if it's before her her confession, where she's complaining about or not complaining, but she's 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 she doesn't know what to do because she's she didn't get ex accepted as a nun, and he's basically like, you would have been wasted there anyway. Like he kind of he kind of agrees with with Vanessa Redgrave. It's like you're you're hiding your light under a bush or something. He says something to that effect. Um, yeah. Uh... So then, so then the uh, so then the king of France dresses up Protestants in bird shoot suits that look really cute and <laughs> has them run across the lawn and just fun and it's probably my favorite thing in the whole movie <laughs> well, it's, it's amazing because that scene is intercut so it's 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 the cardinal con trying to convince the king to let him tear the walls down and interspersed with that is uh is grandier like proselytizing before the entire town that we ca they can't let these layer their walls be torn down. Yeah, because then then they have no independence and no strength, and they they will no longer be able to live how it is they want to live. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's yeah, it's this really fascinating like inter interplay between the two. Yeah, and it's funny because you don't realize what the king is doing. He keeps getting his, he keeps going yes, yes, and like it, every time he gets hand, sell, says yes, he's handed a new little pistol, <laughs> and and you're like, and you think you think he's just sort of agreeing with the cardinal, and maybe he kind of is, but what he's actually doing is saying yes, release another Protestant in a bird suit so I can shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so fucking hard when, when they panned over, like, what was actually going on. I'm just like, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the bird suits, they look, like, cute. They're, they're not yeah. creepy. Like, it's really it horrible. Looks, like, it's fun, you know? Like, I would want to get one of those. And, like, that's probably even how you feel a little bit inside, in the back. Like, when they're like, no, you're going to fucking die today. You need to put... And you're like, oh man, oh, this is cute. Like, this is cute though. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because because the king, the movie actually opens with basically the king doing a drag show. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you see the, the, you know, he's he's doing he's 
he's wearing like nothing basically and he comes on as the venus of willendorf or not willendorf the, the venus on the half shell the botticelli paint and um and it, it cuts to the cardinal watching this and you can see like like it, it eventually like it's just this guy and doing a drag show clearly with all his like gay courtiers and like the whole, it cuts to the audience. And the audience is all like men in drag who are who are prostitutes, and it's just like it sets up this whole thing where there, there's like the actual elite is this like completely amoral, decadent, doesn't adhere to anything that the church is supposed to be about. But it, but they don't care because it's because. That's where the power is, right? Um, like, I just kind of assume that's just what France is like. <laughs> All the time. Was it's really interesting because, like, like the king doesn't give a shit at all. No. Like he's so removed from whatever the reality of like his people and his country is that it doesn't it doesn't even matter. And um, it felt very Hunger Games to me. <laughs> oh God, yeah, for sure. Like there's a there's a direct parallel. I'm like watching it and I realize suddenly Hunger Games is French. <laughs> uh. But oh, so so eventually, what happens is like he marries he marries this woman, the uh, Grandier marries this woman in a in a, mid, a midnight ceremony that he himself performs, and then uh, Vanessa Redgrave hears about this, uh, basically discovers it because all his nuns all her nuns are making they make like a mock version of the ceremony. And it like it like drives her crazy uh, because she, well for two reasons not only is she obsessed but she actually wrote a petition to him to become the confessor of their nunnery just to try to get him closer to them and he basically is like nah too busy uh, I'm sending this other dude. And at that point, she confess she confesses to that guy that she's had these like I don't remember if she actually just says it's like a demonic presence. I don't forget exactly how she phrases it. It's in that moment, it's not quite as intense as it gets. It gets it gets morphed over time by by the like pressures of the of the apparatus that's that's surrounding them. Um, uh, but she she confesses to that priest that that she, you know she feels like she feels like she's been under she's being possessed or something. And later, what happens is is there's uh, uh, the guy that had been sent to tear down the walls and was basically like told to fuck off by Grandier. He's he's there and he's conspiring 
um, in what looks like a sewer, like as far as like the bathroom. It's so funny because all these guys, they like they they are definitely like it, it makes them like it kind of makes you think that they're like they're shit, right? Because they're all they're all under everything. So they're in this like steamy like what looks like a uh, the bottom basement of the nunnery. They're in this and they're scheming about what to do about Grandier and, and what to and they're trying to. Uh, they can't make, uh, who is it? The, the, they can't make the, his bastard stick. They can't actually can, can, uh, accuse him of that, but they do decide that they can, they can trump up charges of him based on this nun's confession, that they can basically get rid of him by, uh, accusing him of black, black magic or sorcery. And at that point, uh, they bring in this dude who's like the most amazing character. Uh, this, he's like this witch hunter priest. He's like sleeveless. <laughs> he's like sleeveless with these like these like round jacket and glasses that, are, that have to be a total anachronism. And he's like this, like rock and roll, like WWF, like pro wrestler, fucking like witch hunting guy. <laughs> yeah, he kind of looks like, uh, like, like Mick Jagger's cousin. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's that same energy, for sure. <laughs> and it's amazing because he's just got he's he doesn't like it's totally sleeveless and he has these big leather gloves with like crosses on them and shit and uh basic but so they conspire with him they bring him in with the uh with those like the old like the medieval doctor guys like they get brought into this whole scheme too and they they together team up and basically torture Vanessa Redgrave's character to make her accuse Grandier of using black magic to possess her and her fellow nun. Well, yeah, she does it willingly at first, and then she has a moment where she she goes like she has a, a moment where her conscience gets to her. Yeah. At some point, I think that's actually kind of later on. First, she's she's on board, and then they take uh, some drastic measures with that first exorcism scene and stick like things in her vagina. And yeah. for it's it's clearly just like these these guys are sadists, and that's why they have this job. God, yeah. Like, uh, so then they take all the nuns from her little uh, uh, brood. I, I think that's the proper term uh, of nun, brood of nuns. <laughs> uh, and they take them out and they tie them up to like a tree in the woods and they aim crossbows at them and they're about to kill them all. And they let them believe they're going to die for a minute. And then he kind of like, wait, the Lord is speaking to me. The like <laughs> guy with the giant fucking mouth and the overacting. And he like rushes in to save the day and lets them know like from now on, Basically, you're gonna like take off your clothes and be fucking nuts because you're possessed. And yeah. like that's really fun because then you just have for the rest of the fucking movie, there are just like nuns with tits hanging out in the background. It is 
something you never expected to see. You know what I mean? Like it just it hits you. It's like this is this keeps happening. Like the <laughs> conversation just suddenly you're like, well, more nuns that are just going ape shit. Yeah, and they're and they're like they're also getting chased around by these guys with like thorn whips and shit. That's the other part of it. Like that, yeah. Well, as soon as they as soon as they sort of get taken up by the the, the like insanity of it and they commit to the to to acting out it's it's crazy and it's like it feels like this like debauched rock concert yeah. like like just them like running around with their tits hanging out and like like the, the the confessor guy just like screaming at the top of his lungs the whole time and it's really insane and intense it's and, like kissing um, what it's like a Kiss and Caligula like crossover Super, kind of thing. Yeah, and it's and it's, in the middle of this like insanity, the king shows up in disguise because they call him the Duke, the Duke of something, and maybe that's another title for the king. I that I don't know, but he shows up and he has a he has a mask on and everything. And he shows up with his like his little entourage, and is clearly totally amused by this. And it's funny because uh the whole there's this quality of the whole thing being a performance and everyone kind of knows it's a performance because because while the nuns are going crazy and this the there's the the uh the medical doctors are like they're like they're making they're making vanessa redgrave purge and then they're picking stuff out of her vomit and like saying oh that's clearly that's clearly a devil's ear and this is this is clearly a, a, a burnt Eucharist and, and, and this is semen and this is like, they're, they're just bullshitting. Um, and uh, meanwhile, there's like this whole gaggle of people just outside this, this on the stairs looking in laughing yeah. the whole time. <laughs> and, you know, they're all, they're all wearing masks and everything. And so the, the king comes and he, he kind of puts the cherry on top because because he he's like he pulls out this gold box and he's like i've brought a relic it is the blood of christ it is from the storehouses of the palace itself so do you think and he's te he's telling this to the to, to rock and roll priest he's telling that he's saying do you do you think this might cure them of their maladies this might drive the Satan from them. And he's like, yes, absolutely. And he grabs it and kisses it. And he's like, he like brings it to Vanessa Redglave. And he's like, he like says some prayer over it. And then she's like immediately like, oh, I am better. I am purged. I'm cured. And then, and then the king takes, takes it back and then opens the box and reveals there's nothing inside. <laughs> and he, and he, like, he, he opens it and he, he like, does the slow turn to the <laughs> the people behind him get the fucking joke the second he opens the box yeah. he's like does this production of it I love that <laughs> so <laughs> uh, and it's and it's amazing because the, because the the rock and roll priest is like why would you do this and it's just <laughs> Clearly, the king is like, this is a farce. And we all know it's a farce. But except for you, you're wrapped up in it. 
Yeah, yeah like, he was wrapped up in it enough to like absolve himself of the like you know raping and torturing he liked to do. Yeah, exactly. It's really interesting. It's just like all these varying through the whole thing. It's all these varying levels of vice and tolerance and guilt and like what your own levels are and <laughs> yeah, uh, how messy that gets when yes. like you don't have any uh, regard for how that's landing for anyone else. But it, it's funny because when you you start the film off and they they don't show you all that decadence at first, right? They they show you. Well, they show you, like, it's, okay, it's weird. But then they're like, oh, man, this guy's an asshole, right? Yeah. And that sets you up. And and then it's like, by the end, you know, you have that clockwork orange effect where it's, it's like, well, actually, he was kind of the least worst of all of you, so. Yeah. Except for the one who married. Like, she was probably the, like, most highest moral fiber character in the book or in the in the movie. movie. Was It's also interesting considering how it ends which we'll get we'll get to like um uh well eventually like grandier comes back in the midst of all this insanity and and totally calls it out and it's like this is this is all nonsense he's like yelling at them uh but then they arrest them anyway and they they put him on trial Accusing him of sorcery and and uh, tricking, like seducing these nuns through like diabolical means, which is fun because the uh, rock star priest guard guy like distinctly knew at least one demon name, like by name. That's like a spirit from a grimoire, like you know, leave from this person, from this woman, Asmode. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, bro, I know what you're reading. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, but but so they they he he's like what's interesting is he does grandier does confess but not to seducing the nuns he confesses to a being a shitty man before and he also confesses to uh Basically, political maneuvers and trying to convince people to to hold on to those city walls. He says, "I confess, I'll, I confess to that, but not this nonsense, because that this trial is not actually this trial is just a mask for this other stuff." And then they send him away, like all these like Ku Klux Klan looking like uh, judges. Like Catholic judges, they're in the like big white pointy hoods. They like they're like they send him away because they're like this is not a political trial. Um, and at that point, they they like shave his head and like torture him to try to get him to sign a written confession, and he won't do it. Man, I'm not gonna lie. When I saw those those hoods on the the judges like i i kind of like looked around like are my blinds closed like am i <laughs> watching this is this cool like and like and it took him like it's just the imagery is so uh ingrained in in our culture that like yeah. pointy white hoods only mean the one thing and then like i don't know if that's what they were going for 
I don't think I don't actually don't think so because there's um I remember seeing in like National Geographic there's certain parts I think it might be Spain or Portugal where there's they have uh they have people that will dress up they they they're usually black or purple I think but they'll wear those during certain festivals like the the pointed hoods and the robes that's bold man I know. I think it just it means a different thing there, right? So. <laughs> did, did I get the memo? Like, no, <laughs> I figured. Uh, I figured. You know, the KKK was probably modeling it after some kind of older, you know, religious thing. Yeah. <laughs> weird religious shit. Because funny hats are almost exclusively associated with religion, <laughs> or subsidiaries thereof. But <clears throat> yeah, that 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 was that was a lot. Um, but the uh, man, the the confession scene, like, I really appreciated that that they like threw in there, uh, like he's about to be tortured and killed, mm-hmm. uh, and he knows this, and and they're they're bringing him in to prepare him to be you know tortured and killed publicly and shamed and. And his cities, he's he's lost, right? Um, he's lost his battle, and he's about to be just just destroyed. And and his last request is like, can can is there no other way? Like, do you have to cut my hair? Mm. Like he's still got his vanity, and and there's still like this unapologeticness. Uh, yeah, the, and and. <clears throat> And even the other guy, like it's it's weird because it's like the 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 guy that's about to command all of this and who's kind of orchestrated all of this in, in the name of the church, it's like, um, like no, we don't have a mirror. And then he's like, well, hang on. And he like it's almost like he actually cares enough, like identifies yeah. me with that request to empty off that tray and let him look in the reflection in that steel, um. That that really hit me. I was like, I because I didn't expect. I expected him to not give a shit. But then the other guy's like, "Yeah, no, I I want to accommodate you in your vein." Yeah, there's a, there's like a weird moment of respect. Hey, it was it was strange. I, yeah. it's, and uh, I appreciate that. <clears throat> I liked it. I didn't know what to make of it at first. Like he's, you know, when you're about to die, and it's like my hair. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're not totally out of the woods yet with your issues, but uh, we you're see the. Clo- <laughs> you're getting closer. You're getting yeah. closer. Um, yeah, it was it was fun to see. Um, I don't know, fun's the right word. I think surreal is fun to me so i kind of conflate the two sometimes but like how when it came down to it he kind of cared more about protecting the city and the people in it than anything he had this this uh you know thing about it and then yeah that didn't that didn't that didn't pan out for him and uh and the second that he's gone, like the city is too. Like it was like the same fell swoop that he dies 
It was like within 10 seconds. But all the while he's being killed, he's saying these really profound things. And the audience is laughing, like maniacally laughing. Like even the mother of his son from the beginning yeah. is laughing and the little baby is watching him uh, die. And there's, and it's so great because like, like it's it's all of five seconds between like his last breath and the end of their laughter and the end of their walls. Yeah. There's no turnaround time. Like they there's no like like told you so as a ghost because he's like <laughs> even dead when told you so happened. Yeah, it's 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 like he was and it's really fascinating the way it's shot because they're well, because they, they decide to burn him at the stake. And the way it's shot is it cuts to you. You see him through the fire, but then you see the entire town through the fire too. So they're burning at the same time he is. They just don't know it. Yeah, that's really good. And and then, yeah, exactly as soon as he's gone, they literally blow up the walls. And... It's it's this amazing like this guy was the spiritual linchpin for this, and now that he's gone, it's like everything is falling. Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating, I don't know if the very last scene uh, is the the rubble of the walls. Um, you see his his wife. Um, it's it, the the uh, the executioner is like scattering the ashes. You see, like the bones, um, and his wife is watching this, and then she turns around and climbs the brick rubble of the walls and walks outside, and the dust of the walls have merged and turned into this road. It's this white road leading through the black landscape. Say that to me indicates that there's something that's going to continue through her somehow, or that maybe she was she was the thing that was actually carrying the the the, the real like Holy Spirit or whatever, but but that she's she continues on without all of this, and and in fact maybe she's now that the coming down to those walls may actually uh, may have actually freed her. And freed this thing to continue on beyond. Hmm. At least that was my part of my read on that. I like that. <clears throat> my thought was kind of like, like, oh, she's the one that tells the story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and what a shot that last scene. Um, those torture wheels on poles. Uh, Weird. Yeah, they make me they make me think of it's like this really dark inverse angel, like the wheels in the sky. Oh yeah. Um, I mentioned that to my wife when we watched it together. I was was thinking like it would be really neat to have a a big mural where on the on one side you have the luminous wheels of light like taking out armies of demons. Um. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you have these 
inverse ones where it's a white sky or a gray sky with black wheels and they have you know bodies hung on them so it's like the same same shape you just get this one of them is reaching down from above one of them is reaching up from below and Wow, that's that's fascinating. I never thought about that, but you're right. There is that quality to them. I think that was a, those were real things too. That was a real form of like uh, punishment or torture. They look cool. I'm gonna put a couple out on the lawn. <laughs> for laundry. For laundry. <laughs> the whole thing, like, because the I believe some of those are in like the work of Hieronymus Bosch. Uh, and that's and that's that's the that's the other thing. This whole movie feels like a Hieronymus Bosch painting. Huh. Yeah. Now that you mention it, that's that's a pretty close uh match there for for just that general vibe. Yeah. Of like the uh the formally religious gone horribly wrong. Yeah, are are yeah, being like perver are the perversion like coming through the cracks. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, man. It's such an amazing movie. I guess we didn't pick a subtopic for this show, did we? Oh, we were well, sacred masculinity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's a rough uh I mean, it's appropriate because it's yeah, I guess it's this really flawed dude who's really weak in a lot of ways trying really fucking hard to do something good with that yeah um even though yeah yeah i <laughs> i don't know how to say that without you know getting hate mail our first episode but <laughs> well i think he i think he he achieves it by the end yeah yeah, I mean, in the end, he's almost taken some kind of uh, Christ-like martyrdom. And it's it's odd because he clearly is only being witnessed in his virtue by God at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, no one around him sees any virtue in his fate at that point, um, it seems. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, you're right about that. I think. So what? there's he still sticks to his guns and you know uh, manages to manages to deliver several really powerful lines even after his face is completely melted off which i found very impressive mm. <laughs> <laughs> that that was kind of like i loud when it looks like ben already turned into a burnt marshmallow and then he's like <laughs> well it's it's also it's also crazy because uh all throughout that he's he's like like the guy that's that's set all this up he basically says i'm gonna pray for you yeah i'm gonna pray for you and and you're i'm gonna pray that you're forgiven just as i am and, yeah. Uh, yeah so throws him in front of the nuns that all acted against him um he said he'd pray for them too. Yeah. And he said this is this is love. Like, like, do you not know this? Do you not know love? Like Yeah, look look on look on this 
he says something like look on this body or look on this on this physical form and, and do you not know what something to that effect this thing that i have become this thing i've become and do you not see love and then she's like no no she, she turns back into, into being a, a she gets back into the crazy devil devil <laughs> And then it's you can see it like hurts him. Yeah, it does. He just then, wants one fucking moment of validation where like she at least shows a softness in her eyes before she screams devils. But I think uh, I think it's that, but also that like I, I think to him he knows that she's lost now. Hmm. That's the other aspect of it. Like she's com- she's now committed to damnation. In his mind, I think that I think there's a there's a bit of that in there too. Hmm. I felt like he looked really disappointed for that, but that was just my own. yeah. Like I, I, it looked like he had a a glimmer of like, is she actually gonna come around right now? Looking mm-hmm. through, the doors? <clears throat> and then he looked like he kind of had like an ulcer acting up afterward. Yeah, she looked like she had stabbed him in the heart. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I uh, I watched a few a few little like YouTube interviews and stuff, and there was a really good one with uh, Oliver Reed <laughs> talking about that last scene and how he's he actually they were pretty much burning him alive for real <laughs> yeah i saw that yeah it's really good <laughs> but so uh so all right kurt what is sacred masculinity god i don't know um <laughs> is that the point is it that is it that we don't we don't know and and we're we're trying to figure it out i think there's definitely a search for that and and like i'm saying and and i think i think towards the end of this movie he 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 kind of reaches that how so uh uh because he's um and this is this was this is kind of kind of borrowed like kind of the myth mytho energetic ideas i guess you could say of like what masculinity is it's uh like which would be like yang right which is like light structure um a a penetrative quality there's like there's like all these like broad ideas but what that what that means to me in relation to him is that he is not he does not crumble against the adversity. He holds to what he knows is the truth and does not break from that out of convenience. He's an unshakable erection of purpose. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, towards the end. And so, um, so how, I'm sorry, continue. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we specify, like, that's uh, sacred masculinity. What 
anything to do with being male or female or man even it's like i mean yeah maybe to be with being a man i don't i don't really know um i don't really care that much but like essentially just the quality of yeah i guess um active and mobile and uh almost like a single pointed purpose yes that focus that yeah whereas i feel like um a sacred feminine is sort of by juxtaposition a a more holistic awareness like being able to be aware of more things at one time and have a more holistic picture so like a, a battering ram only is thinking about breaking down the door but the general is considering the whole battle what have you done with her too distressed by realization of her guilt to give personal testimony that she went through a mock marriage ceremony with the accused in his own church of St. Peter's. It was a real ceremony, a simple act of committal done with my heart in the hope of coming to God through the love of a woman. Yeah, but I, I would I would say that there's a quality of like, uh, which is the idea of like the the void or space for potential mm. that 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 things can emerge out of, um, and and that's that's a quality. Um, it's funny because it's like you can you can sort of only always talk about these and like relation you can't totally separate them i think like, that's i think that's i think that's a really good point though i think that's yeah i think that's accurate that um for instance he actually did not find the ability to be to embody the masculine feminine of an actual noble purpose that is somewhat single-minded and single focus uh and somewhat stubborn even like there's this yeah he couldn't do that until he learned to surrender mm. and surrender in both the love that he found in the wife but then a greater one in the surrender to his fate of torture and um surrendering to his own scruples like this i don't have an easy way out because i'm not actually guilty yeah and accepting that was a form of this sacrifice and this uh this vulnerability and this surrender like he he wasn't going to fight that he wasn't trying to escape it um and that sort of that is like a divine submissive sort of thing and I think that it was only through that and because of the juxtaposition, like that, that it forms the shape of the other side for him. Mm. And there's, there's kind of like, I don't think you can actually have one without the other. You have to have without the ability to be receptive or to understand that aspect of, of yourself then the the actual application of the masculine aspects are going to be volatile 
they're going to be like destructive or self-centered. Like if you can't fluctuate between the two. So I think there's something in in that about at the end he found the extremes of both. I think. Um within his own personal sphere. Yeah, the like there's he's not there's almost a there's almost a quality of like deep responsibility right like you're 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 making a choice and you're making a decisive choice and he's this is going to have consequences um and you're making a choice in relation to a larger idea um and i think i mean it kind of i mean i think that's kind of what uh and I, in an ideal world, like what a leader or a chief or something like that should be. Mm. Um, someone who's, someone who's, who sees what the right thing to do is and will uh, move towards that or hold on to it, even at personal cost. And will not be not wouldn't won't be swayed by uh, the easy route, right? Yeah. To be able to, yeah, and, and see that's that's a trap, isn't it? A lot of a lot of times, I think there's a there's a trick in thinking that that having a conviction purpose means that you need to like shut out doubt or shut out uh, the input of alternatives so that you can like fully commit but it's actually only in the face of uh accepting and truly allowing doubt or um or some kind of uh challenging force to act against things that that the real strength or validity can be shown yeah i 100 percent agree it's 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 the it's the it's the it's the actual acceptance of what those consequences are mm not ignoring them, not pretending they're not real, not pretending they have no effect, but actually understanding the consequences and still moving, moving with your purpose or your, your, your goal. I kind of think of uh, like leaders that are strong, but don't actually listen to their people or their advisors. Yeah, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that's actually like. I don't think this, the actual sacred masculine would be that. That would be like a yeah, diff, yeah, a fallen version of it, or a uh, yeah, an incomplete version. I think. I think that's just like perhaps it not having the correct balance on the other side. Hmm. Yeah, it's almost because, like it, it needs to be surrounded by the feminine to like fully realize itself. Yeah, yeah, and again, not not men and women, and I think that's such a trap that people fall into. Yes. with when you think about, you hear divine masculine and divine feminine, and people associate themselves and their gender identity with whichever one of them we're talking about. But it's not that. 
like each human has this what no matter gender or sex has this separate thing that is masculine and feminine and like equally intertwined in each of us as a sort of positive and negative concept and none of the attributes about those things are a fucking commentary on the sex or gender that are associated with them falsely and mistakenly like yeah. they are completely separate metaphysical concepts that don't have anything to do with either of those. Yeah, and I think uh, I, th I think the uh, I mean, you could you could refer to it as yin and yang, but that's just I feel like that's just pushing off. It's, but it is. It's the same concept. It's just... Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely that. It's, it's just like um, we are in the West and we should be able to do better than just taking that. That yeah, we yeah. should be able to talk in it in, in terms that we know versus and like, yeah. It sucks that we don't have, I mean, that I know of anything else except for divine masculine and divine feminine, which are terms you hear spoken by people that are maybe not people that should be talking about those things. <laughs> and they're, and they're, what's because it's tricky. And I think it's, it's definitely in this day and age, it's very easy to get that pulled into this larger discourse, which is not what this is really about. Yeah. Yeah, it's not about politics. It's actually about metaphysics. Yeah. And the sense that, and this is like when you dig into like Jung and all this, and like they, they talk about, um, what is it, the anima and the animus? Um, and he has this whole thing about like, you will the unification like to become like a, a to fully realize yourself is about meeting uh if you're if you're masculine meeting that divine feminine within and 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 the, the alchemy is the joining of the two what's uh, what, uh, what's the difference between anima and uh animus for anyone listening i don't know um i think i think it's just another term for these these two aspects for for divine masculine divine feminine okay um, they could uh i i'd have to so like this is just going off the top of my head but they could also basically you could look at them as the anima as just being who you are normally in the regular world the conscious self and the animus is being that subconscious self the shadow side uh so they may take on, I'm not a Jungian, so there's, there's probably someone could speak better to this, but, but the general sense I get is that it's that. It's about the, the inner opposite self, the shadow side that you, you hide and sort of have to discover. And eventually reintegrate or yeah. be humbled by. Yes, exactly. When I think he would even say that like it, it will make itself if you don't work towards integrating it, it'll force you in very bad ways. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, can vouch. <laughs> like, I think it's interesting, though, with, with what I know to be true from my own experience. Um, when I hear things about Jung talking about the shadow, 
I, I can't help but have to say to myself, how much of that is actually the dead? And he just slapped a term. Like, how much of that is actually just ancestors? Like, we, we do have shadow stuff of our own, but <clears throat> shit, a lot of it. <laughs> like, a lot of it seems to be... Uh, What's it's it's sort of funny because even like with a psychological model, that's still true because the shadow side would be harboring those like those unexamined uh, familial structures. Right. So even on a psychological level, that's true. And then you go beyond that into like the spiritual realm and like the ideas like the engaging with your ancestors and like. It's a, it's the it's the same thing. It's just that that's the spirit side of it, but the psychological side is is the same thing. It's it's an ex, it's yeah. It makes sense. yeah. It's a, like the uh, the psychological way of looking at it is kind of uh, like the spiritual side is actually going and dancing in the rays of light and and like experiencing the way that those refract and from in like a three D way, <laughs> you know, in a media way, and then. Uh, it feels like psychology is kind of like putting up a screen and letting all that light hit it and turn into just like a flat image. And then you just kind of describe what you see the effects of. It's yeah. like, here's all the, the results. And based on these results, we can kind of reverse engineer consciousness by about an inch enough to say like, yeah, maybe it'll work if you talk about it more. But, yeah, it's 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 like it's like data or information versus experience, right? Right, and and uh, and the nice the nice thing about the you know the cognitive sciences is that you you do take experience to some degree as data, but it's it's not in the same way as like a shamanic, like a lived experience uh, way of validating truth through just knowing, you know? Yeah. I, I think there's this, this kind of idea of like putting things under glass or something. Uh, and that like, if you reduce it to just, like, it's, it's like the idea of like, Oh, well you might interpret a dream. Well, it's just a dream. And like the the materials like psychological mindset is that oh, that's just this weird um, intellectual churning that your brain does to reset itself and like work on skills or some shit. I don't remember exactly how this. It's the most dumb, stupid thing I've ever heard in my entire life. But they, where the the theory that it's it's you're actually just like cleaning out the garbage files of your brain, um, which is it's just so it's so funny to me because we we went from you know everything was mystical for literally ever, and then we had an enlightenment, big fat air quotes on that one, and uh, <laughs> and, and we uh we went from that to pretty much like holding our breath and squeezing our ass cheeks together until they came out with computers. So we had a, a metaphor to explain what we've been trying to prove all along. <laughs> suck the magic out of the world. Like <clears throat> there's like this, 
It's like, oh, now now we have computers. Okay, perfect. Well, now dreaming isn't prophecy, and it's definitely not like telling you that spirits are talking to you or that you've been cursed. Now, obviously, now that we've created computers, we, we now can finally determine that dreams are just defragging a hard drive. <laughs> like, like we've literally just we we worked really hard to create this technology so we had an appropriate metaphor to demystify our mystical experience and like maybe that was the whole motivation all along <laughs> it is it is the it is the worst worst thing oh my god i hate it so much i remember when i first i first heard that take it was uh it was maybe on that on the show radio lab they they were interviewing this lady and she was she was like, this guy drums a lot, so he dreams about drumming. So therefore, dreams are about skill building or something. And I'm like, this is the stupidest, <laughs> dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Yeah, my yeah, that's all the dreams I re I can recount are not about building skills. I can tell you that. I mean, a lot of mine are. It's it's just like things like how to move around in the spirit world where you don't have a facsimile of a human body and you're really just like a mess of wires or something <laughs> like, like how do you move around when you don't have a logical mind like how do you uh face this this scenario this dream scenario that represents something in your actual life that you're struggling with and and like facing that in dreams over and over until you get it right and you actually you know that that's skill building that's skill building, but that's also like directly magic. So I think uh, saying like, oh, I was drumming in my dream, so I get better at drumming in real life because that's, you know, that's that's just this like bullshit. Like if you practice anything for 10,000 hours, you'll be a master kind of way of looking at the world. <laughs> no, it's just about clocking hours and getting skill points and, and XP. <laughs> Nothing to do with actual inborn ingrained talent right it doesn't matter if you were born a drummer if you practice ten thousand hours you're gonna be a fucking pro you'll definitely be better than you were i don't know if you'll ever you may not ever uh achieve the highest levels but you'll be better than you were sometimes yeah i mean you can you can do it through skill and you can get to that point uh but I, I wonder how much of the time that's actually someone feeling motivated as an artist and like pursuing something to the nth degree because it's in their heart. And if it's actually not just like some weird fixation and something they felt they had to prove. Um, <clears throat> and in that case, how often are they actually really exploring and expressing themselves? And how often are they just really successfully um being derivative of several different things that they're really inspired by mm -hmm. six to where you don't notice that it's you know just some amalgamation i don't know was it that i mean that yeah it's it's that's a really uh interesting thing to talk about because like in my experience it's it's like uh you the the talent how i kind of see it is that every there's a when you pursue any sort of like creative thing there's a certain amount of inborn talent and the 
question is, is how much of that needs to be polished before it can shine? Mm. And I think, I think some people need more polishing than others. Uh, I think, I think everybody probably has some degree that they can, they can, they can improve. But if you don't have a, if you don't have the, the, the raw crude thing to work with, you're never going to get like, it's only, you're only going to get so far. And that's kind of how I take it. I, I, cause I, I personally was like, I had as an artist or as a person who draws and illustrates, like I had a certain amount of raw talent, but like it really took me getting focused and like working and practicing to, to really develop and hone that. And, um, and the other thing is, is that you, it humbles you because then you see that there are people that, uh, have even more talent than you do. And they still do the work and put in the effort. So there's like, yeah, I, I mean, the whole like 10,000 hours of mastery is like, there's something to it. I just, it's probably, it's just probably way overstated. I think, I think you're definitely right on the, that it's, of course, you're going to be better if you practice something that, that long. But, but I think that whole idea and the fact that that's even a thing that I said and you recognized mm -hmm. come, um, like it's, it's born out of this, um, this uh, very like, scholastic like materialist just all you have to do is train your your computer brain mm. to be great um <clears throat> you just you just have to like mimic to be great and and it's funny because you know we have more people graduating from fucking art school than ever before in goddamn history and less good art than ever before <laughs> 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 I would also argue that they don't actually teach you what you need to know in most of the art schools either. Well, the, yeah, it's it's funny because you think of pretty much anyone worth mentioning, and you you go like, did they sit around studying how to like how other people did it, or did they just be like, fuck, I got to do this thing? A mix of both. Yeah. Yeah, a mix of both. Uh, because uh, that, that's, the, that's the thing that sort of gets hidden um, uh, is that a lot of these people did, um, you know, they would, they, would, uh, they would apprentice or they would spend t some time learning from people who were better than them. So like learning enough to uh, learn the paradigm so they could like grind up against it. Yeah, basically, or, or, or like it's it's like, uh, I I mean again, it's like it's like polishing a stone, like like uh, like I I know I have this. There's a diamond under this. It just needs to be buffed and cleaned up. And like, if I just don't, if I don't do anything about it and just keep going away, eventually it'll get better and better. But but or I could go and like directly learn from someone who's already been on that path and i can just clean this up so much faster right right or what um, if you what if you just start with like a piece of shit and then you just keep going and keep going 
And then you it's will get, you will get better. I have seen it happen. I have seen people like, but there's, but even if you start with a piece of shit, there's like this other thing that's like a drive. Like I want to see this thing polished, right? So yeah. could, in theory, get to like a like gem quality fossilized dinosaur dung. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's definitely I've seen people that they're never going to be amazing, but but like it's shocking how much better they get. You got hard, kid. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's 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 it and and there's something that's inspiring about that too. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, that's I I can credit. Uh, like I spent all of my twenties playing music and bars and <clears throat> and whatnot, and like I would never had the courage to play on a stage in front of other people if it weren't for a friend of mine. And we weren't friends when I first saw her play. I saw her very first show, and it was two weeks after she first picked up a guitar. And that first show was horrible. I mean, it was just so bad. And I sat there watching it and I looked around and like no one was being mean about it. And mm. everyone was just kind of watching and everyone kind of knew she was new. And like, she just did it cause she wanted to really bad. And it was, it was bad. And then two years later, like we were in a band together and on tour, like on a bus playing songs together. And like, then later, she, you know, she ended up, they're divorced now, but she like married this musician who was like one of the best, in one of the best bands that my band had ever played with live. And just, yeah, like she just, she just kept going. Just like, no, I'm going to fucking do this. So I'm going to do this. And it, it worked out. <clears throat> I mean, you know, she's still, I think at this point in time, still like, struggling starving musician probably working a bunch of side gigs to make ends meet but like <clears throat> like her, her shit doesn't suck it's good <clears throat> um and that's that's really cool to me like my like a decade of my life <clears throat> and all these experiences that i had that was all instigated from one person who had the courage to suck in public Mm. to just like be bad out loud and like that changed my life you know it's you know it's funny it's like i would i would say she's that moment was her exhibiting the divine masculine ah uh, right? yeah absolutely that yeah. she had real big dick in her yeah it's 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 it like that willingness to just do the thing yeah. Yeah. When yeah. I didn't like yeah. totally to do the thing and suffer. When you know like inside that like there's this drive, like there's this larger thing that I'm going for and I'm just going to have to do this hard part to get to it. Like I think yeah. Which, you know, that's 
that's definitely also present in the in the divine feminine but there's uh again with the like the single pointed thought it's like a like 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 a bullet or a rocket or a yeah. dick <laughs> well i think it's unavoidable yeah, yeah. It, i mean it, it's literally built into the physics yeah that's that's why i say it, it's a metaphysical thing because the physics of penetration actually is the metaphor for like the um what's going on internally when you when you are embodying that masculine feminine or masculine or divine masculine it's like you have to become a bullet or a rocket or a dick and metaphorically speaking preferably like the rocket or the bullet even <laughs> or an arrow like hit mark rather than being a fucking dick <laughs> but yeah it, it is this uh I'm trying to think of a good example because i don't remember what random like shaman ish book it was i read when i was in my late teens but something about it might have been a castaneda book about just the lack of doubt and if you're leaping from like one impossible place to another um like if you if you think about the possibility of not making it like you're fucked <laughs> you're guaranteeing you're gonna die yeah and to me that is that time when it's like you have to in that moment become all divine masculine at that one time for that moment or you die uh which is the full card yes yeah that's yeah yeah and then well kind of i feel the, the fool has like a little bit of an openness too but it's like a narrow openness <laughs> well it's like it's like you don't know how much this can suck so that allows you that allows you to, to it's it's like it's like the baby version <laughs> of like where the divine masculine i think is is supposed to go like that's the nascent version yeah, yeah, it's your first owner. <laughs> I think then, like, once you land on the tree branch, you have to immediately go back into full feminine. Like, like, where's the next best spot to land? And you have to expand your awareness out and like take it all in, and find your best options and be open to anything, and listen. And yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting. I. <laughs> I hope that these two white dudes have managed to iron everything out oh. about the divine masculine and feminine, just so there's no more mi mistakes or confusion with discourse. It should be fixed now. Well, I, I, uh, I just want to state that that we, uh, no one, no one has all of this ironed out, let alone us. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the uh, the freedom to explore without being afraid is, I think, part of the exercise of what we're doing here for ourselves on a personal level. Like, I know it is for me. Like, uh, starting off with uh, <laughs> with this movie and this topic. Uh, Probably pretty a, bold choices. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's such a thing for me because I don't, I don't want to be afraid to talk about things if I'm confused. I don't yeah. want to be afraid 
to to ask questions or to like feel that out and uh yeah and i i kind of i kind of feel like with internet culture what we get is we get like the edited versions of everything we get people uh, trying to sound smart and planning out what to say ahead of time and all those kinds of things and being afraid of uh (laughs) getting like gang mobbed for for saying the wrong thing yeah, it's 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 getting uh, subsumed by a, a, a band of crazy nuns with their tits out. Yeah, yeah. Which, which God, they sounded like witches more than they sounded like nuns, and that was the best part. And they were going crazy. It sounded like a crazy coven, like on a Sabbath, and it was great. Yeah, because there was something that needed to be released, and they weren't allowed to do it. And so finally, yeah. this was his permission to do it. Yeah, and, uh, and it was being taken advantage of. Yeah, yeah. But I think being able to to just even just be like, I don't know what the divine masculine is necessarily. Let's talk about that. <laughs> like feeling afraid doing that is is something else. You know, it's it's really an interesting thing to just be afraid to say like I don't know and let's talk about this. Um, and I, th- I think that's why when it popped into my head, I was like, we should do this because we, we had, you know, behind the scenes, we had originally planned to like a whole different secondary subject, which yeah. didn't really fit with this movie at all, to be honest. Right. And then this popped in my head and it really made, made me like nervous and scared. And I was like, oh, Cope, this is definitely what we need to try to talk about. So um, that's, I think that's that's uh, something that's safe to solidify in our mission statement is if we feel kind of nervous about something, like maybe it's a good idea to talk about it and get it out in the open. Yeah, because I, I don't how it's if, if you if you just censor yourself, then then it you're never actually confronting anything. Right. And you're, and you're never. Um, and it's funny because I'm, I'm like, I, you know, as you as this whole last 10 minutes of talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the full card again. Because that's totally what we're doing. We're just leaping into this chasm in the hopes this is going to work out, right? And, um, and, uh, but I think you have to. That's like how you, that's how you've learned and how it's like it doesn't get shaped otherwise. Just yeah, and I've been finding that with you know trying my hand at writing fiction, uh, whatever that means. Um, lately, it's there's there's a diff a, a distinct difference between uh, something just kind of popping in your head and being like, oh, I I kind of know how this story goes, and I just need to like get there. I just need to like connect all the dots. Yeah. And, there's a huge difference between that and jumping in and going like I have an aesthetic in my head. I have this feeling and I'm just going to like start writing about that feeling. And then, Oh, it turned into a character and now they're doing a thing. And like, and then when you stop, just like stop thinking about it and don't let yourself plan ahead or try to come up with something clever. And that's, Mm. that's an experience thing with lately, but it's, it's sort of the same practice. And again, that's, See, 
I think there's there's almost like an equal yin yang in the full card because yeah because there's this surrender in the blind moving forward. You're not checking your your rations and you're not like even looking at the fucking road in front of your feet to make sure it's still there. Yeah. What and is- that's it's surrender with with forward movement and purpose at the same time. Yeah, it's within that car of the divine feminine is that aspect is the cliff that he's stepping in off of. It's the cliff in the environment and it's it's the thing that holds the potential for him to like step into. And it's unknown. And yeah. like they they're they are they both exist together. That's the real you know, that's why the the yin yang the, the is is the two things contained within the circle constantly churning with a little bit of each within itself within the opposite Um, these colors don't run (laughs) they do um it's like uh it's like indiana jones taking the step off in the in the third movie yeah like like that's that's exactly it it's like well i still can't see that this isn't just a pit but i really want that fucking treasure yeah (laughs) <laughs> which that treasure will save my dad right yeah i mean yeah that's that's what he that was the motivation it's like you can't just let a knight die <laughs> well i feel like um i feel like this is a pretty good first episode you want to wrap it up sure yeah we can call it here totally fine with that i think dinner's about ready and it's it smells it smells about ready and I'm really excited about that. You by the way, you're not kidding about how bright it is for what time is it there? I genuinely don't have any idea what time it is right now. Uh oh yeah, it's uh ten to nine. And... My god, really? Oh my god. It's so bright. Well that's it's cloudy too, so yeah, I'm in Denmark for anybody that doesn't know. And it's uh the sun doesn't ever really rise. It kind of pops up and then dosy does around you and falls back under. And um it I think becomes that annoying house guest that won't leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you shut the blinds on one side of the house and like two hours later you're like, Oh, that that sun, I thought I saw him. <laughs> shut the blinds on the other side angrily <clears throat> yeah it's really cool I mean, I mean we're at like what six and a half or seven hours of nighttime or of darkness right now and maybe even less I think it's getting dark around like 10.30 or 11 and then it gets starts getting light at like 3.30 4 o'clock this, you know, it, but dusk and dawn last two and a half hours because it's it's all at an angle, so it's it's really surreal for me. I didn't I didn't grow up here, so yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> but yeah, awesome. um, gonna go eat dinner, and this has been really fun. Yeah, it has been. Uh, and we'll we'll talk about what we're doing next, I guess, afterwards. Well, I think we're doing a gear next. 
a gear wait which one is that is that the one you shared with me yeah gear is the wrath of god the herzog film oh okay yes yes because you also shared the um the one with the blues musician oh oh yeah uh bayu maharaja yeah with uh, james booker and yeah we'll, that'll be on this but we'll 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 switch back and forth i i gotta do like i have to do a herzog film for my first choice Okay. Um, my first pick because yeah, that's my boy. Awesome! I've never seen it, so I'm looking. I'm looking forward. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure eventually, if if we keep at this, like we'll eventually get through all of them because he is absolutely my favorite, like one of my favorite creative minds on the planet. So there's an undeniable, wonderful intensity about him. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> in fact i think herzog is german for it's a lot i think that's <laughs> <laughs> they gauge uh like like units of electricity in herzog sometimes we need we need definitely need to turn herzogian into a into a, a an adjective or verb <laughs> i think it will i mean like yeah all our favorite people will end up canon. So, <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> all right. This has been a pleasure. Afternoon, I guess. And yeah, I'll have to... it's about three. So, right on. All right. Until next time. Take it easy. They built this big bonfire at Pinewood on the lot, and they thought of everything. They built a, a cathedral that looked like a lavatory, and there were lots of people in black hats and flowers and lots of flames, and I had a button which I could press if it got too hot, and they'd shaved my head, and they'd tied me up, and I had an escape hatch and a man with a plastic mask on and asbestos. And why am I telling this story? Because oh, the wind direction changed, and Russell came along, and he kept on throwing petrol on it. And when I was actually really burning to death, the, the, the special effects man said, we can't, he's really burning to death. He said, damn him, damn him, damn him. If you're like me, you won't be able to bear the last few minutes. What he's talking about, because yes, I couldn't, is, I diverted my eye. This is obviously where my young friend was sick, in the middle. Yeah, mm. yeah, right. But again, it goes back to what Lady Barnett was saying to make his plane earlier. I mean, what is the effect, you think, Oliver, of this kind of, of scene, this sort of violence that there is in movies nowadays on an audience? Think, I, I'm still being paid for that film. Neither Ken Russell or I got paid any money for that film. We got our expenses. We made that film because we thought that it was a proper time. And in the light of, of maybe the, the troubles in Ulster now, it, it was a proper time for that film to be made. We weren't trying to afford anybody proper niceties, any proper little entertainments, little asides before tea. We were showing them the bigotry that goes on or that humanity is capable of, and that is all we were doing. If they didn't like to stomach it, it's because nobody, and for once they said, well, we don't like bigotry, for once they said it. Mm.